Hello, friends, and welcome to episode three of the Locked on Hawks podcast. My name is Brad Rowland. I am fresh back to Atlanta from Las Vegas, uh, where we recorded the first two episodes of this podcast, but now we are in a state of normalcy as the Hawks have returned from Las Vegas Summer League, uh, and now we are entering the official dead period of the NBA, now that free agency is all but wrapped up in the uh, Summer Leagues in the past. But we, we still have plenty to talk to uh, talk about on this podcast, and uh, today we'll cover a myriad of topics, including the end of Summer League, uh, some Chris Humphreys talk, um, maybe some look, maybe a look at training camp battles that we can look forward to, and we'll, we'll, we'll empty some mailbag questions that you guys had for me since the last time we talked. Um, first off, we'll go with the end of Summer League, and uh, I was there for the duration of the Hawks' schedule. That's, that's kind of the way things worked out, and it worked out beautifully for me. I was able to see the Hawks play all six games live from Las Vegas. Um, on the first episode of this podcast, we broke down uh, the four major prospects for the Hawks that were in Las Vegas, so that's we're not going to go deep on these guys today. Um, that's worth listening to if you, haven't heard, if you haven't heard that podcast already. And also, I wrote up uh, the winners and losers of Summer League for the Hawks on PeachtreeHoops.com, so that's worth a, that's worth a read also. Um, but, you know, since, since last time we talked, the Hawks had participated in a couple more games. Um, the big winner since that time was Eddie Tavares, who we did talk about then, but uh, it's worth mentioning now that Tavares had a very, very good and encouraging second half of the week in Las Vegas. Um, one of the best shot blockers in the entire Summer League, um, and also uh, some dominant rebounding performances from Eddie. He was the only uh, member of the, of the core four, so to speak, that played in the last, the sixth and last um, game in Las Vegas, and but Tavares was a very impressive in that game. Um, a lot of Hawks fans justifiably have interest in, in Tavares, given that he is an interesting prospect. Uh, the, the last time the Hawks had somebody at his size, um, it's kind of hard to remember, honestly, the last time the Hawks had somebody at his size. I guess to Kevin and Mutombo would be the closest thing to that, even though Tavares is even bigger than Mutombo ever, ever was. And besides that, you have to go back to Boban in Summer League, who was really never going to be a member of the Hawks um, in terms of the actual NBA product. So Tavares is an interesting prospect. I thought he endured himself well. Uh, in terms of uh, to the competition. And uh, look, Tavares is going to be an interesting case study this year. It's a very, very crowded front court for one reason that we'll get to in a second. But um, it's worth monitoring him, especially as training camp opens, as he'll be battling for a spot. And look, he, he does have some guaranteed money coming from the Hawks. So I think Tavares will be around, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can carve out some playing time for himself, because if, if nothing else, he can definitely protect the room and rebound, which are two things that Hawks fans have been starving for over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, the front court got more crowded during Las Vegas, and that's because the uh, the Hawks went out inside Chris Humphreys. Um, that actually hit since the last time we talked. So Humphreys uh, signed a one year, four million dollar contract, and personally, that that contract's just fine in my opinion. It's not exactly a huge value, huge win for the Hawks, but at the same time, it's uh, it's definitely not a bad contract considering it's one year for a modest price. Uh, Hawks fans have something of a weird love affair I found with Humphreys. Since he came in last season, uh, I thought Humphreys was pretty effective since he arrived on the scene as a, uh, a player that the Hawks picked up late in the game. Um, you know, on and off in the playoffs, he kind of disappeared for a stretch, um, but, but was, was it was pretty effective against Cleveland in, in limited time. And he's a veteran; he rebounds the ball. That's the one thing that we know about Humphreys is that he does rebound the ball quite a bit. Um, with Dwight Howard coming on board, that, that impact could be lessened just a tad, and that Humphreys was really the only like lights-out rebounder on the roster down the stretch last season. With Howard on board, that's, pre- that's presumably his main focus will be rebounding and, def- and you know protecting the rim. Humphreys will be a nice uh, insurance policy, though, against a Howard injury, or especially in the case of Tiago's splitter injury. Um, we can get. We'll probably get into um, a lot more, you know, training camp position battle kind of stuff later 
later on. But Humphreys, it's going to be interesting to see where, how much playing time he gathers. In addition, the Hawks now have 16 players on the roster. Even after moving off of uh, Lamar Patterson, um, th- this team is going to have to make one more move somewhere, whether it be a trade, uh, whether it be by cutting someone. Mike Muscala, for instance, has a non-guaranteed contract. The Hawks did pick up his option, which uh, would indicate to me that they at least have interest in him coming back. But um, in the same breath, He's the only guy on the, on the roster that could be cut without paying his whole salary. So that's worth monitoring, especially as uh, Muscala and Humphreys play, you know, presumably the same position in that hybrid uh, power forward center role. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But Humphreys is definitely going to be a member of this team. He's a veteran. He does a couple things well, especially re- rebounding. He's a decent shooter. He knows where to be. The Hawks really liked having him around. That was pretty clear by the comments both during the season and after the season about how much they enjoyed his time in Atlanta. So uh, Chris Humphreys is going to be on board, and it'll be interesting to see who the, who the odd man out is in the front court. With talk of both Tavares and Humphreys out of the way, uh, this actually is an interesting mailback question I got this week um, from Muhammad on Twitter. He asked, uh, which training camp battles are you most looking forward to? For me, there are about three uh, specific battles that are going to be interesting in terms of playing time, and even in case of one of them, uh, whether someone even makes the team or not. Um, those three are at the point guard spot for the backup point guard. Also, there's a, a, a bigger um, competition between uh, four big men in the front court with Tiago Splitter, Eddie Tavares, Mike Muscala, and Chris Humphreys. And lastly, uh, the competition for the number four wing spot between the two rookies, DeAndre Bembry uh, and Torian Prince and Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, for me, the most interesting one of all of those is going to be the big man rotation. Um, you know, Splitter is obviously the incumbent guy who has the highest salary at over $8 million. And look, if, if Splitter is healthy, I think it's pretty safe to assume the Hawks are going to roll with him as the primary backup center on this team. Um, again, we don't, we don't know that he's going to be healthy. Splitter had uh, hip surgery in the offseason. And he was really plagued by injury throughout the 2015-2016 season to the point where he was really never himself. Uh, I think a lot of Hawks fans that, did, that were not familiar with Splitter's work from San Antonio were very disappointed by his performance last season. And it's interesting to see why. You know, it was obvious that he was limited physically, whether he would admit that or not um, during the season. But after the season, he, it was clear that he was always in pain. He mentioned that after the season, he was, you know, never right as a member of the Hawks. It could have been the, one of the reasons why he was able, uh, why the Hawks were able to pick him up basically for nothing uh, in, in a salary dump from the Spurs. Um, but, you know, all things considered, I think Splitter is easily the best option of those four players, but we don't know that he is going to be healthy at any point, and especially at the beginning of the season when they're talking about this training camp battle. Uh, Splitter is going to be coming off a serious hip injury, so it's one of those things where he has to be able to physically compete uh, at a high level by the time you know October rolls around, and there's no guarantee that's going to be able to happen, which could open the door for uh, one of the likes of one of these other three guys. Uh, I think Humphreys is, has you know a pretty guaranteed role, uh, as mentioned a little bit previously in this podcast. Uh, you know, paying him four million dollars, signing him. You know, it doesn't guarantee Humphreys anything, but for me, you don't make that investment unless you have a plan for him to be a member of the rotation, at least to start the season. Uh, I think he would automatically kind of jump ahead of Muscala and Tavares on the pecking order because of the fact that he has that contract, because the Hawks were so pleased with his work down the stretch, um, which basically opens the door for the competition between Tavares and Muscala. Again, we don't know that all these guys are going to be on the roster even. Um, Muscala is, you know, could be the could be the odd man out given his given his contract. But assume that he's around. Um, Tavares and Muscala can't both play. Um, I think Tavares is obviously the pure center of the two. Muscala's value uh, partially comes from the, fact, from the fact that he can play some power forward. He's very, very mobile. He's a good, he's a good jump shooter when left alone. Um, he can defend power forwards in a way that you know that Tavares definitely cannot, and Splitter probably can't at this point in his career. So that's that's some value in Muscala's column, but. 
Um, for as much as I like Mike Muscala, I'm a big fan of his. It would be pretty easy for the Hawks to move on from him. I think they could probably trade him, given the given the contract, given the non-guaranteed status, and, and just how much he's proven. Uh, I don't think Muscala is necessarily a high-end player in the league right now, but um, for his minimum salary, non-guaranteed, the Hawks might, might even be able to procure a, a late second-round pick in, in exchange for his services if they wanted to do that. The same could be said for Tavares, if they wanted to trade Tavares to clear up a spot, if they, if they for some reason don't believe that Tavares can could ever be the guy they hoped he'd be. It might be it might be a good time to move on from him uh, in a trade scenario. Regardless, they're going to have to make a move somewhere, and the training camp battle for me between those four guys for playing time is going to be interesting, especially if Splitter is not 100% healthy. Um, with that said, there's another another. Uh, Another player who can uh, certainly jump into the mix in terms of the front court, and that player is Mike Scott. Um, I was asked on Twitter by a couple of people about Mike Scott's pending court case and something we haven't addressed on the podcast yet. Um, Scott, in short, Scott entered in a not guilty plea last week without actually showing up to court. Um, and the AJC, uh, the, the, the lead paper in town, is reporting that the trial will likely not begin until at least the fall for Mike Scott, um, which could push his, uh, any, any decision date even past the first of the year. Um, Scott is obviously eligible to play as the, as the case progresses. And uh, from all things considered, we believe that Mike, that Mike Scott's option has been picked up by the Hawks. The Hawks had until July 10th to send him packing, um, and it does not appear that, as if they did that. So it looks like Scott's going to be on the roster for $3.3 million this season. Scott's another guy that could be traded in advance of the season, especially if the Hawks are worried about, about that uh, court case. Um, until it comes down, whatever decision that might be, even if, he, even, even if he's is guilty, it could uh, the Hawks he'd be eligible to play for the first few months of the season. Um, and again, Scott at three point three million dollars is a value just in terms of a basketball player making a basketball salary. Um, I don't want to get in you know too deep into the contract stuff uh, in, in terms of how it looks with the off court and all of that. But from a basketball standpoint, he is a value contract, uh, and until he cannot play. Um, legally uh, or by suspension, which doesn't uh, was not appear, appear to be coming before the start of the season, um, he has the inside track to be the, the team's backup power forward, the primary backup to Paul Millsap, and again with Millsap uh, potentially facing you know trade rumors, possibly being marketed as a trade candidate, um, Scott could have an even, even larger and even clearer path to playing time if Millsap was moved on from, especially if that happens before the start of the season. Um, you know, it's with Mike Scott. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how much the organization trusts him now with a with a even fuller back with an even fuller front court. Um, you add Humphreys to the mix with Muscala. You add Tavares and hopefully a healthy Splitter. Um, you know, without Splitter, this is essentially the same front court that the team ended the end of the season last year with. But with Splitter in the mix as a guy who's probably going to be playing real minutes, it'll be interesting to see how much of that time will be taken from Scott. Um, the uh, moving on from Al Horford and inserting Dwight Howard also could have a positive impact on Mike Scott. Scott's probably the guy I would think outside of p- potentially Dennis Schroeder that has the biggest um, up uptick with just having Howard around. Uh, Scott is obviously a pick and pop um, floor spacing power forward, uh, and with Howard clogging the middle and not necessarily playing on the perimeter at all in the same way that Horford does, Scott is an ideal fit next to Howard because you want that that floor spacing. Obviously, Paul Millsap could stretch the floor as well, but somebody has to play behind Millsap and occasionally Howard will be playing without Millsap and Scott is for me the best fit possible next to Dwight Howard also because you know Howard's rib protection can make up for a lot of other shortcomings from Scott who is uh, you know by all accounts not a not a positive defensive player I think Scott's made real real strides in that area to the to the point where he's he's always playable defensively now where he used to be very very ugly every time he used to take the court defensively now 
I, I, I still think, I still think that he's a, he's a below average defender, but with Scott um, playing next to Howard, that will help mitigate that a lot. It'll be interesting to see, again, how that trial proceeds, but for right now, I think we're going to go on the assumption that uh, Scott's going to be available to play as, as the season begins, and while uh, if a, guilty, a guilty conviction for him is going to be certainly cause for suspension and possibly jail time, uh, you know, he's facing up to 25 years in prison as a maximum sentence for the, for the felony charge that he's charged with, but uh, until we get down that path, we're going to assume that Mike Scott is going to be a member of this team and a member of the rotation until proven otherwise. The next question from the mailbag comes from at the Atlanta Hawks, which is a uh, less than less than creative Twitter handle, but I appreciate the dedication for sure. And he asks, so what is your preferable starting lineup as the roster stands today? Uh, in addition, he also asks if it's time to move Kyle Corbett to the bench to create offense in a reserve role. Uh, this is going to be a boring answer, but for me, it would be the same starting lineup uh, as last season with Schroeder instead of Teague and Howard instead of Horford, uh, i.e. Schroeder. Kyle Korver, Kent Bazemore, Paul Millsap, and Dwight Howard. Uh, for me, ideally, Kent Bazemore would be a shooting guard. Um, I think that that um, that distinction is not necessarily the biggest deal with the Hawks, though. Um, they, 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 this organization, especially Budenholzer and Wes Wilcox, have been kind of public in saying that the, that the two and three spots are kind of interchangeable in this scheme on both ends of the court. And that you know, what we know now, I think the best combination remains Bazemore and Corver on the wing. Um, there's a lot of that. A lot of that is honestly will, could be the problem that if, if you take Corver out of the out of the starting lineup and insert somebody like Tyler Cephalosha. You suddenly have a real a real challenge in terms of spacing. Uh, you have Dennis Schroeder, who's a worse shooter than Jeff Teague. You have Dwight Howard, who is basically effectively a non-shooter. And if you throw if you throw Tabo out there with Bazemore and Millsap, you don't have a lot of shooting. Uh, I know Bazemore has improved a great deal, and Millsap's a very nice shooter for a power forward. But um, playing the, playing that five together would be troublesome in terms of shooting, especially when you think that you know shot creation is also going to be a problem anyway with the wings. So I would leave Corver and Bazemore out there together. Um, Barring a major um, influx of uh, production from Tim Hardaway Jr., which I personally don't see coming. I'm not the biggest fan of Hardaway Jr. We could probably come back to that in the, in the coming days. But uh, for me, the best five right now as it stands uh, has Corver and Bazemore on the wing. Uh, and, you know, that, that could change. We, we, could, we could see something of a drop-off from Kyle Corver given his age. But I think with a full offseason from Corver, it's pretty safe to assume that he'll be as good or better than he was last year. And last year was sort of a down year for him from the shooting standpoint. But Corver's still very effective. And last season was kind of, you know, came on, came on the heels of an offseason where he could not adequately, adequately prepare. And he was pretty uh, vocal about how that definitely affected his workout routine. So with a full offseason, I think Corver's going to be back to normal. And having his shooting out there is going to be very important. Um, and lastly for today, uh, John Carafonda asks what role the rookies will play on this team. I think the two rookies that are going to be on the roster, first and foremost, are DeAndre Bembry and Torian Prince. Uh, pretty safe to assume Isaiah Cordinier is going to be in France. Um, that happened, you know. On draft night, Wes Wilcox kind of alluded to that, you know, as a likelihood. I think from what we saw in Las Vegas, that's going to be even closer to a certainty at this point. And when you throw in the fact that this team does not exactly have a roster spot for for Cordinier, uh, it's pretty safe to assume he won't be around. So. Um, Bembry and Prince will be on the roster. In terms of playing time, it's going to be very, very interesting. I think a lot of the uh, a lot of fans, uh, you know, this goes for Hawks fans and fans of the NBA in general, often overrate rookies and the impact that they're going to be able to make as rookies. Um, even the top tier, you know, top five, top ten guys in the draft um, are usually not um, even league average players as rookies. I think about Ben Simmons from Philadelphia, who obviously is a guy I love in terms of talent. 
you know, you rarely see that kind of vision from a 6'9 guy. And he's the number one overall pick in the draft. But even in Las Vegas, you can see with Simmons that he's basically terrified to shoot a jump shot right now. And if you can, if you're going to tell me that a guy, you know, isn't willing to shoot a jump shot and isn't going to be a good defender, he probably isn't going to be a better than league average player in year one. And that's the, that's the number one pick in the draft. Uh, now, if you move down, down, down a peg or two to guys like Prince and Bember, who are guys that I like quite a bit. Um, the Hawks, Hawks fancy themselves as a playoff team this season in 2016-2017, and if, you, uh, if we can assume that, I think it's pretty safe to assume also that neither Bembry or Prince is going to be a main featured cog on this team, i.e. they're not going to be in the starting lineup even by the end of the season. I would be shocked to see either one of these guys start games if the Hawks are even relatively healthy. Um, I think the door is open a bit, as mentioned before, um, in terms of uh, one of these guys potentially both cracking the rotation by the end of the season. Uh, I think the fastest way to do that would be for one of them uh, to beat out Tim Hardaway Jr. as a member of the rotation. Um, the Hawks really have no uh, reason to play more than four wings on a nightly basis. You might see five occasionally. Mike Budenholzer has been pretty, pretty liberal with the way he uh, assigns rotations, especially early on in the season. But the three guys who are guaranteed playing time right now are Korver, uh, Cephalosha and Bazemore, those guys are locks. And uh, if you if you if, if you take three of those guys that are obviously locks in there, you have three guys with Bembry, Prince, and Hardaway uh, for you know maybe one spot, maybe two spots, depending on how Bud is feeling on a particular night. But there is going to be a ton of playing time there for those guys. Um, in terms of Prince, uh, you could see him play some power forward, especially if Mike Scott is you know somehow unavailable for whatever reason, as we've discussed previously. Um, Mike Muscala would, would then be pretty much the only power forward option on the roster. Maybe some Chris Humphreys at power forward. Um, but Prince has the size necessary at six foot eight, uh, and the frame and the length necessary to where if he had to play some power forward, he probably could stick there. Um, the argument for DeAndre Bembry though, is that he's more of a pure shooting guard. Um, could, could play some point guard also in a, in a pinch. Um, for instance, if Jarrett Jack has some injury issues. Um, obviously he already does coming off the torn ACL, but if Malcolm Laney struggles or if Malcolm Laney is injured, somebody has an injury mid game, you could see Bembry throwing that point guard. So there is a, there is a path to playing time for these guys in year one, but, uh, I think it, it's pretty safe to say, uh, limited playing time is the most, uh, is probably the best assumption at this point in time. It would be, uh, everything else beyond that would be kind of a bonus. I like, again, I like both of these guys quite a bit, and they're both, yeah, I think, closer to being NBA ready than a lot of rookies are given their time in college. That's probably one of the things the Hawks like about them in the draft is that they don't have as much of a learning curve as some of these rookies do, especially the one-and-done type of guys. But for a playoff-bound team, which this, which this team thinks it is, we can talk about that later as to whether they are guaranteed to make the playoffs or not. But assuming that the Hawks are going to be in the hunt to make the playoffs and make a playoff run, I doubt um, the rookies will get significant playing time. Maybe one of them emerges a little bit by the end of the season. And with that, we'll wrap up today's episode. I'm going to be a little bit shorter uh, today than normal, but don't worry. We'll have plenty of content coming in the coming days. We have an uh, interview lineup lineup this week with the uh, host of the Locked on Rockets podcast. We'll be talking uh, in-depth about Dwight Howard during the episode, so you won't want to miss that. And also, we now have a Facebook page. We are at facebook.com slash LockedOnHawks. We are also on iTunes. This podcast uh, is hosted on a number of platforms. Audio Boom is, is, our, is our centerpiece, but we are now on, now on iTunes, and we would appreciate all of you subscribing, leaving positive feedback, positive reviews, hopefully five stars. And uh, look, if you have any uh, anything you wanted to get 
uh, get out there, ask a question. We can be found on Twitter at LockdownHawks. You can also find me on Twitter at BT Roland. Fire away, and we will hopefully address all of your questions in the coming days. It's going to be a lot of basketball talk as the as the uh, Hawks uh, come to the end of this the uh, offseason for this offseason and look ahead to 2016-17 with a lot of new faces to discuss and uh, to consume. We will be back on a daily basis, and uh, please stay tuned, and thanks as always for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.